All right. Well, good evening to everybody. It's good to have everybody here this evening. We're missing a few, but uh, where two or three are gathered, right? Uh, and if you're online with us, welcome. It's good to have everybody with us. Uh, check in, say what's up, um, and um, let's just study the Word. Let's study the Bible. Um, I know there's a million other things we could be doing on a Wednesday night, but um, you know, studying the Word is, is, I think it's vital for the day in which we live, you know? So um, remember tonight, remember Roger Renee in your prayers, remember Trevor in your prayers. Uh, there are many that are out. Uh, remember Gary and Shannon, they're traveling, so remember them as well. Uh, but let's open tonight in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to, to be here tonight, to study your word. Father, I pray, God, as we do this, Lord, that we would apply it to our lives. We would stop and think, Lord, how blessed we truly are as your people. And God, I ask tonight that you would touch those who are sick, those who are not well, those, Lord, who, who are not with us tonight. God, bless them where they are. Traveling mercies for those who are traveling. God, we give you honor and praise. And we ask you, Lord, just to, to bring a spirit of, of unity, a spirit of, of excitement and anticipation for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, briefly, just so you know, uh, ladies, no Bible study tomorrow night. Uh, it's been postponed to the 19th of August, so two weeks from tomorrow. So make sure you mark the calendar. It's on the website. It's on the app. But make sure you make your personal note. And then uh, men, if, you're, if you are available this Saturday morning, uh, we're going to meet at the Village Cafe for the men's breakfast. And uh, we're excited for that. Uh, Tom's going to be bringing the devotion. So, And who doesn't like to eat? So we'll be all right. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so let's open tonight. And if you have your Bibles, we're looking at First Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're on verse 6. And we're going to be going through verse 12 tonight. Uh, before we get there, really quick, we're, it's been about a month now we've been on the, the, the first Peter. Um, and, and I was just kind of going to throw this question out there if anybody wanted to answer or not. But, but in the first month with first Peter, what, has God kind of laid anything on anybody's heart? Has something stuck out? Has God taught you anything that maybe you'd be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I learned this so far. Um, what has God taught you so far, anybody? Cricket, cricket, cricket. To slow down and read. Slow down and read. Because oftentimes I know that I'm guilty of reading. Right. Not, and I've been making up how much more effort that you To absorb. To absorb. Yeah. Not just read. Yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. Why did you say that? What did that mean that way? And, and you, that's interesting you say because that's, that's the whole point of this this challenge that we've swapped to, the SOAP challenge, is to do just that. It's to slow us down, right? It's to, to read the scripture, and, and, you know, if you have time to write it down, uh, it's to, to observe, okay, God, what are you saying in the scripture that's specific for maybe not me today, but maybe tomorrow or another day, um, you know, and, and Lord, all of your word is to be applied to my life. So, Lord, where do I need to apply this, right? And then, of course, we pray the word back to him. Um, I pray that's a blessing, but you're exactly right. Just to slow down, observe, uh, you know, and absorb the word. And, and let me tell you what, if we do that, we will be better for it. We will become better people for it. We'll be better community pe members, uh, better church family. So uh, anybody else before we get in tonight? Um, one of the things just briefly that, I, that I've learned is that I've got hope beyond 
9 p.m. when I go to bed. Right? So I wake up early in the morning. I'm like, oh, geez, we've got to go to work. The only hope I have during the day is when's 9 o'clock come around so I can go to bed. Right? Uh, not all the time, but sometimes. But you know what I'm getting? I've learned what my, my true hope is. It's found eternally. Right? I don't have to worry about all the garbage going around in this world today. I don't got to worry about drama. I don't got to worry about none of that. I truly do not have to worry about that. I don't have to carry that because I have an eternal hope. When this is all said and done, see you later, I'm going to heaven, right? Um, so I've, I've, that's one of the things that's kind of stuck out. And, to, and the other thing that's kind of stuck out is it's challenged me to, uh, which fits right along line with everything we're teaching on Sunday mornings about the fruit of the Spirit, but how are we to live holy, Right? How to be accountable as a Christian. To wear that, that and I don't mean this disrespectful, but to wear that name Christian uh, with meaning. Not just as a name tag, right? But as a lifestyle. Uh, when somebody sees me, I want them to know that guy's a Christian. And I have no quirks about it. I have no old shine. I want people to know, you know? Um, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm, there's a couple things that I've been learning from this, just the study alone is, is, is living, to, living to be holy as, as much as I can be on this earth, right? Uh, to, please, to please my God. Um, but if you, have your, if you have your scriptures, we're, we're going to be looking at, again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 through 12. And let's look at just 6 through 8 briefly. Um, yeah, let me uh, open, open with this. The, the question I want to pose before we get started in the scripture is, have you ever noticed... That many people in the culture, it's really comfortable. They're comfortable about talking about God. Like you can have a conversation with people when you talk about God. But then when you turn the conversation to Jesus, things get a little uncomfortable. Right? We can talk about God all day because he's just a big being in the sky for a lot of people. But then you personalize it into Christ and, 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 and you, get, you can get this little uneasy feeling or people get defensive or, or they just completely cut you off. You know, there's a lot of people that just will cut you off. And, and, and would this, would you be surprised to find out that this kind of occurs um, by design? You know, this was kind of already put in place. And in our passage this week, we're, we're Peter is going to remind us that Christ is either precious to us or, or that, he, that he's neither precious and, and, and uh, we don't care about him. He's either a firm foundation or he is nothing but a stumbling block. And that's what we're going to see tonight. Those who see Jesus as precious, those who see him as, as their cornerstone um, you know, for what he's done for us, they're going to live a life that's reflective of this truth. We live this way and we're going to reflect it. You're going to see that in my, in my actions. You're going to see that, hear that in my words. You're going to see that in the way that I think and the way I talk because Christ is my cornerstone. He, and because Christ is precious to me. Right? So in our scripture here, verse 6 tells us this, that as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. I want to pause here and we'll just look. We're going to take these in chunks, right? So the first portion of that scripture says, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. We talked last week about being spiritual 
houses. Remember being living stones upon the house that's being built, right? And Christ being that foundation, that cornerstone. And so we're being built upon him, upon that, and into the spiritual house. And there's no doubt who our chief cornerstone is, right? Christ is the cornerstone of the church. And even though men rejected Jesus, he has become that chief cornerstone in the work of the building of the church. So for your personal study, if, you, if you're taking notes, there's some, there's some examples where Christ is the, named the cornerstone or the stone. Uh, he is the cornerstone in Psalms 118. He is the stumbling stone of Isaiah 8. He's the foundation stone of Isaiah 28. He's the supernatural stone of Daniel 2. And he's the rock that miraculously gave Israel water in the wilderness that in 1 Corinthians verses 10 and 4. You mean to repeat those? Yes. Okay. So the first one was Psalms 118, Isaiah 8, Isaiah 28, Daniel 2, and 1 Corinthians 10, verses 4. These are all examples you'll find in Scripture, just some, just a portion of examples you'll find in the Scripture of talking of Jesus Christ being the stone, the kind of just reflecting Him being the chief cornerstone. And the Scripture goes on to say there in verse 7, it says, Yes, you who trust Him recognize the honor God has given Him. Now here's where I'm going to pull away from the NLT and really get into the New King James Version because I like the way they say that, that this is translated better. It says this in the New King James Version. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. That to me means a little more than me just giving, recognizing the honor God gave him. When I say something is precious to me, that's more personable than even me just saying, well, you know, I'm giving you honor, Right? I get, the trans, I get that. But I like the way the New King James, the, the, though the chief cornerstone is rejected by, by all those who are dis, you know, disobedient and the unbelieving, undeniably in the Christian's life, he should be precious to us. Um, if, you, if you have something that is, that is you know, sentimental or, or valuable or very close to you, you would consider that precious. And you'd be heartbroken if you've lost it or if something happened to it. Um, this is that feeling, you know, and, and, and undeniably, Jesus should be precious to those who believe. And I'm just going to go on record saying, yes, he is to me. Uh, for those who have served the Lord for so many years, he, he, he's probably way more precious, right? He becomes more precious the more we fall in love with him, the more we, we, our relationship grows in him, the more precious he becomes. And so one way to know that if a person is truly biblically, you know, has true biblical faith is to see if Jesus is truly precious in their life. It, you, that's gonna, how you're going to be able to tell if someone really knows his, if Jesus is precious in their life. By the words they speak, by the attitude they have, by the, the way they carry themselves, the way they walk, the way they talk, right? Because if, if Christ is precious to us, then I'm taking care of that relationship, right? And I'm, I want to be, as Peter called me to live, holy, and so I want to do that with everything inside me so that relationship in me is, and, and I, and is Christ is precious. Uh, Spurgeon was, was quoted as saying, is Jesus precious to your soul? He says, remember, on your answer to this question depends on your condition. You believe if he is precious to you, 
But if he is not precious, then you are not believers. That's pretty tough language, but it's true. It's true. And he says, and you are condemned already because you believe not on the Son of God. Um, you know, Christ is precious naturally. Whether he's precious to you or not. He's just, Christ is precious. Uh, he's, Christ is precious positively. Right? He's precious comparatively. You can't compare anything. There's no gem in the world that's more precious than Christ. Right? Um, Christ is, is, he's super, superlatively, I believe I'm saying that. But that means most precious. It's like there's nothing even more precious than Christ. Right? And, and Christ is, he's, he is precious suitably for the need of a believer. Every one of your needs. Right? He's precious because he knows what the need of, that you have is. Um, the scripture goes on to say, to say in verse 8, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And those who reject that chief cornerstone and refuse to build their lives upon him, we kind of touched base on this last week, those who choose to build their life upon anything besides that cornerstone um, stumble over him. Right? They want nothing to do with him. And instead of you know, Christ being their, their, their salvation, he becomes a rock of, of offense. You know? Uh, meaning they, he, they want nothing to do with them. We, we, we mentioned Psalms 118. Jesus, is, he quotes this passage, uh, 118, in Matthew 21, 42, where he, said, he talks about that they'll, they'll reject him. And my question to that is, you know, we, we see here in this first couple of verses that there, there's, there's a choice between two options, right? What are those two options that we've seen here? You have two choices. What are the two choices? Anybody? Accept them or reject them. Build on them or don't build on them. Right? That's your two choices. Build on the solid foundation of the cornerstone, your life put him you know, on, or build upon your pride or build upon your career. And, and you know what? It's going to sink. You know, I was reading this morning about the leaning tower of pizza, Pisa. Yeah, and, and how... They put the foundation down and then they begin to build and, and they got so far and it just begin to do this, you know. And they're stuck, <laughs> you know. Now you're stuck with this, this uh, historic art of, you know, architecture. But still, that's, the, I mean, in the theory of things, that's not how you, you don't want to be leaning, right? We want to be solid on, on, on what we're building our life upon. And so we, we the question I would ask tonight, which, which, where, which, where's your life built? Because you can't have foot, your foot on founda- one foot on foundation and one foot on the sand. You can't do that. It's not going to work. You have to have both feet planted somewhere. So, so where is, where's your heart planted? Where, you know, where's your feet planted today? And finally, you know, we talk about that chief cornerstone. And it's kind of the starting point. A cornerstone is the starting point of a building. You know, everything is laid out according to the, the connection to the chief cornerstone. You know, because it stands at the corner, the same stone is the starting place for two walls. Right? So it's a perfect spot for, to start your life. Right? It's, it's, it's solid. It's not going to break. And, and he goes on to say, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Um, you know, it's, it's appointed. You know, we talked about this in a few studies ago. God's not going to force you to build on the foundation. 
He's not going to look at you and tell you that, yes, you have to build on the foundation of Christ. Right? He gives you the opportunity to say, yes, I want to do that, or no, I don't want to do that. But there's, there's consequences with, those, with that choice. And it's appointed that those who are disobedient to, to the word, they're going to stumble over Jesus. Right? They're going to stumble. They're going to fall. And, and Jesus, again, he spoke of himself in that Psalms 118 when he spoke that those who rejected him are appointed to. And in Matthew 21, he goes on and says this, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. Right? Meaning our lives, if we lay our lives down on the stone, we're going to be broken of ourselves. Right? And he's going to build us up to what he wants us to be. Right? But he goes on to say, but whomever it falls it will grind him to powder. Right? You fall on a, on a piece of concrete, you know, you, you break your skin or you, you, you know, break your, break your you know, bones or something. But boy, to have a piece of concrete fall on you, that's a whole different world. Right? You're not coming back from that too easy. And so there's serious consequences there by stumbling over that cornerstone. And so Christ, is just, Peter's just really making us see here in these first two verses, who are, who's, who's your life based upon? Where are you standing tonight? You know, are you standing on that cornerstone, truthfully, or are you just playing a game? Because if you're just playing a game and you're standing on the soft sound, you're going you're gonna to fall. The soft sound, you're going to fall. Verses 9 through 10, we'll jump to those here. And this is talking about the privileged place of God's people. And I love this portion of Scripture. It says, but you are a chosen generation. Now he's talking to the ones who have chosen to stand upon that cornerstone that we just got done talking about. Those who have chosen to build their lives, the living stones that we talked about last week, he's talking to you. And he says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people excuse me, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. So I'm going to back up. This, I love this. But you are a chosen generation. Yes, ma'am. And here it goes. You have been chosen by God himself. Yep. So that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Yep. You are priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. I love that whole portion of scripture. If you didn't feel good about yourself, you should now. Right? Not in yourself, but in what God thinks about you. Right? If you're living for the Lord, that's what he thinks about you. You're a special person. You're a special chosen person. You're a, you're a holy priest. Uh, you're, you're a special people. Um, you know, I, I remember <laughs> as a kid, right, you'd line up, right, and they were going to pick teams, Right? And you always hate to be that last one, right? Because the last one, you just kind of, you're, all right, I guess we're taking Sean, you know? But there's something about being chosen first, right? You kind of just, I want Sean. You, you, you kind of walk to that team with that attitude of, yes, yes, I'm special. And, and God's wanting us to know, look, this world is, is here, and he's, it's going to do nothing but completely grind you into nothing. It wants you to, you know, everything that's going on today wants to make you feel like a piece of dirt and worse, right? Uh, gum that you have stepped on on the bottom of your shoe. They want to, it, it wants to make you feel worse than that, right? And so God, Peter, Peter through the Holy Spirit is here saying, no, 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 hold on. You're pretty awesome. 
You're pretty rad. If you've got your feet solid on the cornerstone, let me just tell you how awesome God thinks you are. It doesn't matter what she thinks you are. It doesn't matter what the pastor thinks you are. It doesn't matter what you think the pastor's like. This, Peter's like, get this into your, into your heart and walk with this. Right? Saying, you're special. He says, but you are a chosen people. The thing that, that exclusively belonged to Israel was that quote. They were the chosen people. Right? In the Old Testament. That's all you read. The chosen people. The chosen people. You're like, ah, oh, God, these people, the chosen people. They're some special people. Right? And we see that through the entire scriptures. We see that Israel is a special people. Right? And they, were, they, they, belonged to, they belonged to Israel. Their election, they were chosen. The, the priesthood, that was theirs. Um, the, the calling, that was theirs. But guess what? There was a rip that happened in the, in the veil. There was a cross event that happened that guess what? No longer now is just the property of Israel alone, but it's mine. Right? And so now the, the property of every Christian is that we, you know, we... We are chosen. We have a holy priesthood. We have a calling. And you know what? We have them in a greater and, and a spiritual sense than even the, 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 the nation of Israel had back then. Um, I love the fact because you're a chosen generation. I hear people say all the time, man, I would have loved to live back in the 50s. Or I would have loved to live back in the 20s. Or you know, back in the kingdom days, you know, the old fashioned. Well, you were chosen for this day. Lucky us. The good old 2021, lucky us. Well, apparently God thought we were okay with that, right? He knew we'd be able to take care of it as long as our feet were planted on the foundation. He knew that, there, that we'd be okay. And so we're chosen for this time. And, and we're a royal priesthood. And the offices of royalty and priesthood were, were jealously separated in Israel. I mean, there was some attitude there. But Jesus, who's our king and our priest, has brought these two together for, for his kingdom and for his people. And his own special people. I love that. Right? We're God's own special people. You know, sometimes we look at our kids as our own special people. And that's exactly what God calls us. You know, they are his. Right? And so we are special because, not because of things we've done. Right? But because God loves us so much. Right? Because we belong to God. It, it's kind of like this. It, a museum could be filled with, with all kinds of ordinary things. Right? Think of a museum that maybe is filled with, you know, has hats in it or canes or shoes or, or so forth. I, ha I, have a, I have a basketball that sits in my living room that um, it's just a basketball. Right? But it has a name on it. Right? And a number. And it's Kobe Bryant. Right, and he put his name on it. He signed that ball. You know, I have a, I have a uh, another baseball player who signed the the baseball. That's just a regular baseball. It's just a regular basketball, until the signature gets on it. Then there's value, right? Then there's 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 specialness to it. Um, that's 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 what we are. God takes ordinary people, and because of the work that He does in us, and we allow Him to do in us. Uh, we become a special. I become from not ordinary to extraordinary, right? Because of what he's doing in my life. And so, you know, the same, this, we need to take that to heart tonight. And Jesus, you know, because of Jesus, we belong to God as his own special people. Um, 
And I would just ask tonight, in your own heart, does this, does this passage change your sense of value when you see yourself through God's eyes? Because the devil likes to put these blinders up, these focused light lens up that make you think you're just trash. You know? You're not worthy of what God's done for you. You're not even worthy to be sitting in this room tonight. Uh, you're not even worthy to do... You know, and, and you know what? Can I tell you? God says, no, go ahead and get those off your eyes tonight. Why don't you put on the, the glasses that I see you. You know what's amazing about God? Is He loves you not just for who you are today, but who He knows you're going to be tomorrow. Isn't that rad? He already knows. And so he, he even knows if you mess up tomorrow, guess what? That doesn't change his love for you. That doesn't change his patience with you, right? You are special. If you get nothing out of tonight, take that home and tell the devil, get out of my house because we're all special. If your feet are on the foundation of that cornerstone, if Jesus is precious to you in your heart, guess what? You're chosen, you're a special chosen person, you're a chosen one, you're a holy priest, and you're a special person. You know, why? why? Why are we these things? Well, he says this, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and the purpose for this high privilege of being so special for God's, God's special chosen people is so that we can what? Proclaim the praises of him. That's why you hear me try to get us going on Sunday morning. We have a reason to worship. It doesn't matter what kind of garbage we went through during the week. Here's the key word. God got you through it. So we should be praising on Sunday morning with everything inside of us. We should be with our hands raised. We should be clapping. We should be with our, with our voices praising God. Let me tell you what. If you don't, if you don't get the practice right here, you're really going to be in trouble when we get to heaven. So let's practice it here and get it right, right? But that's exactly why we're here. That's the purpose that we are, God has called us special. Why he's called us a royal priesthood is to proclaim the praises of him who has done such great things for us. Has God done great things for anybody in here? I mean, he has for me. And since it's true that believers have new life principles, right? When we, when we come to Christ, we have new life principles, right? We're a chosen generation now. Right? We, we have new access to God. We, there's this royal priesthood. I don't have to go to a, a priest anymore and say, hey, here's, here's my piece of meat. You know, ask for forgiveness. No, I, I have direct access, like we talked about last week, to, for that, that royal priesthood. There's, a, there's new government in my life. It's, I'm a holy nation. Right? I'm not living in trash anymore. I'm, I'm now considered part of this holy nation. Um, and there's a new owner. Right? <laughs> it's not me anymore. God's my... God's my owner, so I'm a special person, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm special. It's going to affect, and let me tell you what, this should, this portion of Scripture should affect a believer's life. This should change the way you walk and talk each and every day. Not to allow pride to sink in and say, well, because I'm so special. No, no, no. Because, as the Scripture says, we humble ourselves. We resist the devil. And we can come and draw nigh unto him and what? He's going to draw nigh to us. So we keep ourselves humble knowing that we are special. Not because of any special talent that the Lord has blessed me with. Not because of this, that, and the other. But because of the love of God. Right? And we put ourselves in that position. Boy, I'll tell you what. Something happens. You get put in a real quick humble spot. And then you realize, man, I'm so blessed. 
And that just can change your day. Isn't it nice when, I mean, when it, let's put this in just real world context briefly. Um, isn't it nice when somebody, you're having a lousy day, and someone will come and say, hey, you look really nice, your hair looks very nice today. Or, hey, how are you doing? You look really good today. There's something about that that's kind of, oh, well, thank you, right? It kind of, it may not do a whole bunch, but there's just something about someone, someone noticed me, and, and they see value in me, right? There's no words that can describe the value in you that God sees in you. We can't comprehend it, church. And we need to understand and stop listening to the loudspeaker of the enemy telling us we're trash and start listening to the word of God that says, hold on, uh, I'm a chosen generation, so I'm supposed to be here at this exact time, chosen specifically, Lord, why, for 2021, but here I am, right? I'm a royal priesthood. Man, what an honor to be considered a royal priest, right? To, to be a priest. And I'm his own special people. Man, that, that, that's a tag that we should be doing cartwheels out of here with, right? Because not everybody can ride that tag. You can only ride that tag if your feet are on the cornerstone and, and if, if Jesus is precious to you and you're living with him in that relationship, that's, that's, this is the only way you get these tags, right? And does that mean that God doesn't love everybody? No, that's, don't go home and take thinking that. He loves everybody. But when you, when you have the blood of Jesus in your life, running through your life, you become special, right? You become one of his. And so I, I just, I, I, I love that portion of that scripture. It just, it just lifts me up. It encourages me. And then he goes on to say this, who once were not a people, but now the people of God. See, before you were a nobody, right? Before Jesus, just so you know, you were a nobody. Yeah, I said it. But now you're a people of God. I'll take it, right? Um, we were once without these privileges, and, and we weren't even a people before God. You know, we had not even seen the mercy of God, but now we have obtained mercy. Right? We've obtained the grace. We've obtained the salvation. You know, in our culture with its Christian foundations, we don't really understand this great sense of privilege and relief that came to the Gentiles during this letter. Remember, the Jews were the only ones who got this special attention. And then all of a sudden, this, this, you know, Peter comes out and, and Paul comes out and starts preaching to the Gentiles. And you know the, the argument between Peter and Paul. And, and, and Peter kind of goes, wait a minute, Paul's on point. And God kind of smacks him in line. And then he goes and said, no, we're all in this together. It's not just for the Jews. It's for everybody. Right? And so imagine what that meant to somebody who wasn't a Jew. To realize that this Jesus that, you know, you, you heard stories about died on the cross for you. And the power of the Holy Spirit that you may have seen in the city between, you know, through the apostles or what have you. The miracles that maybe you've seen. Guess what? That's for you too. That would change your thinking, right? That would change your lifestyle to think, well, man, those people are really special. You know, those type of people are really special. And then all of a sudden to find out, you're just as special as them. That would change your mindset, would it not? That would cause you to be excited. And so that's, you know, we take that for advantage now because all we've known here in a Christian America is that we can have Jesus in our hearts, right? That's all we've ever known. 
But we, maybe we need to take that back a bit and say, no, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be your special people. Thank you, Lord, for, for expanding this salvation, the mysterious plan of salvation that Paul talks about. Thank you for expanding that out to the Gentiles, you know, and not just leaving it for your special people. And I, and I think that would be, if you have nothing to worship for, there I gave you a reason to worship Sunday morning. So, quickly in these last two verses here, we're going to look at how those who've come to Jesus are to live. Now remember, in chapter 1, Peter calls us to what? Live holy because God is holy, right? And so here in the verse 11 and 12, we see this. When we come to Jesus, we are to abstain from fleshly lust, right? That's what the theme of this is going to be. So he says, Beloved, I begin, beg you as sojourners and, and pilgrims, uh, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now this is kind of be kind of double talk what we kind of jumped on last week, right? To to live holy. But but I love how he gets into the weeds of this. So in chapter one, it's live be holy because I am holy. Live holy. Right? And he kind of gives us a kind of a but here he gets into the weeds of it. He says, you know, how, do, how are we supposed to conduct myself as, as, a, as a living stone on this cornerstone that, which I'm standing upon, right? How am I supposed to live um, as a Christian being a special person, a people of God? How, what's my conduct? How am I supposed to pre present myself living day to day? And he says this, abstain from fleshly lust. And here's the truth, church. We can only abstain from fleshly lust as we live as travelers or pilgrims through this land. We, those who recognize this world is not their home um, and that we have a home and a citizenship in heaven. Remember we talked about that eternal hope. We, we can understand that this world has nothing for us. That, that I, can, I can abstain the fleshly lust that this world throws at me knowing that I don't need it. There's nothing that this world has that, that I need that can bring me the joy that Jesus Christ can there's nothing that can bring me the peace that God can. And when I put myself in a uh, position of, of abstaining those fleshly lusts, whether it's a, a, a drink, whether it's drugs, whether it's sexual relationship, whether it's whatever it may be that, that, I'm, that I'm dealing with on the, in the fleshly side of things, when I realize that I don't need any of that, it kind of makes the fight, okay, I'm standing here, right? Because we know this, we're going to fight. From tomorrow to the day Jesus Christ comes back, guess what? You're in for a fight, right? Um, he, he says, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against you, right? Roar against your soul. Um, Peter understands that these fleshly lusts, you know, they're going to they're gonna come against us every day. Just because our feet's on the foundation, just because Jesus is precious, just because we are now a special people, guess what? We're going to get hit hard, harder in some situations with the flesh, with the lust of the flesh. And, and it's easy to, uh, you know, we've got a constant battle that's going to continue until, until the day we stand face to face with Christ. And it's easy to see how the pursuit of fleshly lust can destroy our physical bodies, Right? Just talk about the physical portion right now. Just ask the alcoholic dying of liver disease. Right? 
Uh, when I was when I was heavy into alcohol, I, I had problems with my kidneys all the time. Um, there was times where I would take a shot of alcohol and my, my liver would just turn to fire instantly. And I knew that I was riding a very fine line. Um, you know, ask the sexual immoral person, you know, immoral person that, have, that has AIDS or any kind of other sexual, you know, disease, you know. Um, or one of the 350,000 people on this earth who contracted a sexual transmitted disease within the last 24 hours. Ask them how that worked out for them. But Peter reminds us that this fleshly lust, all, you know, it wars against the soul. We know that sin will affect the physical. Right? If you keep pounding the alcohol, eventually the body's going to break down. You keep, you know, having a good time with the lady or the guy and not being smart or wise about it, guess what? You're probably going to end up with something nowadays. That's just the way of the world. Right? Not making wise decisions. But we have to understand that it's not just the physical that's going to break down. It's a much deeper situation here, and that's what Peter gets to. It wars against the soul. And, and I mean, some escape the diseases in the physical body. Like, you hear stories all the time of people who drank for 80 years, and they're as fit as a fiddle. You know, no, no liver issue, no, no kidney issue. You, you, you know, I've known people who have smoked their entire life. I mean, they've smoked like a chimney, and no lung cancer, and they, they live a life till 90 years old. No, no, you know, I don't know why some it works like that. Some, but I'll tell you what won't happen. The disease and the death of the inner man is a penalty that no one giver over the flesh escapes. You, you can get away from the physical. You may get lucky and not get anything. But the spiritual, the soul, you're going to have to pay for that one. There's no way out of that. And, and that's what Paul wants us to make sure. And he says, he says this to, to us. He goes on and says, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And this kind of godly living makes our conduct honorable among those who don't know God. Um, you know, though we can expect that, that maybe they'll speak evil against us or they'll mock us or they'll make fun of us for our stance, you know. Um, in standing, in standing and not, not buckling or, or, you know, not revolting to what you or how you want to act um, in that situation, they can glorify God by seeing your godly conduct. Your witness counts, is basically what this is saying. Especially today, where no one's about God anyway. Everything's anti-God anyway. Don't you dare bring your Jesus to me either. You know, we'll talk about God to an extent, but once you bring up Jesus, don't you, we're done. Right, and, and so Christians, uh, just so for some past experience, they, back in the day, Christians were, were accused, falsely accused of great crimes in the early church. And this was kind of a trip. I didn't know some of these things, but pagans said that at communion, when Christians took communion of the early church, that they were eating the flesh and drinking the blood of babies in a cannibalistic way. And that was the news that they would spread. You know, and then they said that Christians, you know, when they had these agape feasts, these, these feasts where they just were loving one another and just community, they, they were wild orgies. <laughs> and they said that Christians were antisocial because they didn't participate in society's immoral environment. <laughs> and they said that Christians were atheists because they did not worship the idols that they worshipped. I mean, Christianity has been mocked since day one. 
It's never not been mocked. And, and you know, we, we, again, we've talked about this. We are blessed to live in America. You know, and yeah, there are still some signs here and there. But, I mean, we're not China right now. We're China. They're burning up churches and they're arresting pastors. We're not there. Thank God. And so we need to understand. But see, over time, it was clear the Christians were not the immoral people. People finally got a clue. Every time they kept talking trash about the Christian, they, their actions would speak louder than the words. And, and the people would have no recollection. They'd have, they'd have nothing else to do but go, man, we were wrong. We were wrong. Their, their witness is speaking, their actions are speaking totally against everything that we're trying to blame them for or mock them. The striking fact of history is that by their lives, the Christian actually did defeat the slanders of the heathen. And that's where we need to stand today. Our conduct, the way that we react, the way that we respond, I think it fits right in with what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, allowing the fruit of the Spirit to, to really grow in us, to allow the characteristics of Christ flowing through us, to show love where there's hate, to show joy where there's depression and sadness, to provide peace when there's chaos, right? Uh, to be patient with unpatient people, which there's unpatience everywhere, Right? And, and to show kindness, right? Tuesday, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know if anybody saw it or they just ignored it or they're just not, not even doing it. I have no clue. So that's between you and the Lord. But I, I, I said, hey, how's the kindness thing going, church? And not a response. I'm like, well, that's going good. I, didn't, I wasn't looking for a response, but I wanted us just to keep fresh in our minds these fruits that we need, right? I need to be kind because the world's not kind. And our actions, and our witness are going to get people's attention. Wait a minute, you're, you're not normal. You're, you're supposed to be mean. This, this was supposed to be a real horrible situation. Why are, you, why are you smiling, Margaret? This isn't a time to smile. Why are you so joyous? How, how come you're so peaceful? This is chaos. What, how are, how, why are you just sitting there so calm? Because it's our witness, church. It's who's in us. It's where my feet are standing, on this cornerstone, Right? It's because I know someone, his name is Jesus Christ, who's very precious to me, right? He's living within me. And by the way, while I'm on this cornerstone, he's building me up to be what he wants me to be. I'm not building my own lifestyle up. I tried that. It didn't work out very well for me. So I've hit this rock. He's broke me completely. He's building me up to that which he's called me to be and purposed me to be for this generation, I'm a chosen generation. I'm a special person. That's how I can love you. That's how I can be peaceful. That's how I can be joyful. That's how I can be kind to you even though you're not being kind to me. That's how I'm going to be patient with you is because of what Christ has done for me, who he is to me, where I stand. And finally, in that last portion of Scripture, it says, in the day of visitation. This is probably you know, talking about the reference to to their ultimate meeting of God, right? Uh, whether they, they go to meet him, right? Or, or he comes to meet them. Uh, the idea is that the Gentiles might be persuaded to become Christians by seeing the lives of other Christians. Church, that's our job. <laughs> that's our job. I, I say it all the time. I know. I probably am like a broken record. But when we go out these four doors, we should not change one bit. When we go to Walmart, we should have the same peace and joy and smile that we have when we're here as we're in line for Walmart. Whether or not the line is out to the aisle or not, 
right? And so that's the whole point. We want people to see our actions and say, I want what you got, right? That's the end game. Because we want them to have the same hope that we have. That there is an end game. The end game this is the hope of eternal life. That's the end game. That's where this all ends up right here. I'm living for Christ because, first of all, I wouldn't do very well today in this world without Christ in my life. I'd be a mess if I was even alive. And, and really, I'm just getting the benefit being a traveler here with Christ in my life to that final moment that I finally go home and, and, and go to my final home. And so the whole point of us is that they would glorify God when they meet him instead of cowering before his holy judgment. Right? We want them to see our lives and say, Tom, what do you got in your life? I want that. And find themselves at the altar. Find themselves receiving Christ in, the, in, in their life so that they too can be, have that hope of eternal life in, in, in heaven. And so that was, that was kind of just the teaching on this portion of Scripture. Any, any, um, you know, in this passage, Paul, Peter encourages the people of God to, to kind of reveal and proclaim just how excellent our God is. Right? And he, you know, that God's rescued us from darkness. He, he has shown us his great mercy uh, every single day. Um, he's given us a new family, a new community, um, new, a new lifestyle, right? Um, and so much more. You know, our lives, just so you know, is a story of God's grace. Everybody in here, everybody online, has their own story of God's grace, right? And, 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 we can use these stories to draw people to God. Your personal testimony can, can be something that someone reads. I know a gentleman from the other church down the street. His name is Steve. He went to the men's, the men's uh, retreat with us. Um, he handed me his, his testimony. It was on a piece of paper that he had shared back in 2014. And, and what an amazing testimony it is. You know, It brought encouragement to me. It brought hope. It was like, man, that's awesome. And that's what people need to know about our lives, right? And, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not much of a journaler. I'm trying to learn how to write better. But maybe, maybe it would benefit you to, for even maybe your own hope in, in life and in, in reading, that maybe to, to write down what God has done with your life, you know, a short version of your testimony. You know, maybe and write down and make it a three. They always talk about in, in pastors having three-point messages. I don't know if I've ever had one of those. But they talk about that. But, you know, make it a three-point outline. You know, kind of life before knowing Christ. You know, who you, who you were, what you were like before Christ, you knowing Christ. You know, how you came to know Christ. You know, and then life after you received Christ. You know, the changes that he's made and, and what he means to you and, and how you're growing in him. Just writing these things down would encourage you. Right? And say, wow, this is where God's brought me from. Look where I am now. Man, I can't wait till where I'm going tomorrow. Right? And if you get excited about that, that, that could do the same for someone who's reading your testimony. So, so just take that to heart, if you would. I mean, I don't know if that's what you want to do, but, but take it to heart. But I think we need to understand tonight, where, where's our feet first? What are we standing upon? Are we upon that cornerstone tonight? You know, and if you are, is Jesus, you're precious? Is, you know, the old Lord of the Rings precious? You know, is Jesus precious to you? Right? Is he your all in all? And if he is, then we need to live by abstaining the fleshly lust. We need to say, you know what? I don't need anything this world's offering me. You know, and know that, that, that it's going to hit me every day, more than once. You know, 
Um, and so we need to be willing to, to fight that and stand and fight for that. And let our witness, let our actions speak louder than our words. Amen? Any comments, any opinions, anything at all? Man, I must do a good job, Tom. Nobody talks, man. We're good, man. All right, well, let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, I would be able to teach it correctly and, and, and uprightly, Lord. And I, I ask, Lord, we would apply this to our lives, Father, that we would check where our feet stand, Lord. As our feet stand on your, are the cornerstone of our life. Are you the cornerstone of our life, Lord? And, and as you're building us up as living stones and, and part of a beautiful church, Lord, and, and a part of the kingdom of God, Lord, and I pray that you would just become my everything, Lord. Be, be so precious to me, Lord, that, that, that nothing else in this world matters, Lord, so that when I do go out into the world and I am battling against the flesh, fleshly lusts that come against me, Lord, that, that even in my temptations, Lord, I will stand strong against them. And if I fall, Father, help me, give me the strength to get up, to dust myself off and say, Lord, forgive me and continue on, Lord, growing in you each and every day. Because, God, it's this testimony, this life that I'm living, that others are watching, Father. And, and though they may mock, the more they, they may make fun, that they may not even understand, Lord, I pray that my actions and that my witness, Lord, will be strong for you. So that, God, at the end of the day, they'll have to glorify you because of who I live for. And, God, I just ask you to strengthen your church. Give us boldness. Give us strength like we've never had before in this day and age to which we know we are a special people, a special jo chosen generation, Father. God, that are special to you, Father, that are ho a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. God, thank you so much, Father, for seeing value in my life, so much so that you gave your son's life for me. We give you honor. We give you praise. We ask your safety upon us, Lord, to bring us back Sunday to worship. Bless again those who are unable to be here. Keep them safe. And we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. God bless, church.